0: What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Nick Saban gets another big payday. Just how much longer is he going to coach? I'll tell you why another decade is possible. One fan base, cheers. 13 others, boo. Our expectations are expectations already too high in Gainesville for Billy Napier? We'll get the answer from Brandon Olson of Locked on Gators, and you'll hear some of our conversation with Florida linebacker Ventrell Miller. Locked on SEC starts now.
1: You are locked on SEC your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at lockedonsec.com. Let's jump into. It. Let's go around the conference. Around the conference, and we start with the big news that came out Tuesday: Nick Saban received a contract extension through the year 2030. And a raise, as his average pay is now $11.7 million. The raise edges Saban's annual compensation over that of Georgia coach Kirby Smart, who signed a new deal just a couple weeks ago that will pay him an average of $11.2 million over 10 years. Uh, Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne also received a new contract that will run through 2029. He received a 5% raise, according to reports Sabin, who uh, has seven national championships, most all-time, would be 78 years old at the end of his updated contract. The 70-year-old coach coming off a year in which he won the SEC title for the 10th time and appeared in the national championship game once again. Sabin's contract includes a provision in which he and the school can revisit annually, quote, marketplace trends regarding head football coach compensation. So basically – Whenever somebody else gets named the highest-paid coach, Alabama will come in and backdoor it and say, no, Saban's highest-paid. We just gave him a raise. Uh, Since 2009, Alabama has paid Saban over $101 million. Let me say that again. Since 2009, Alabama has paid Nick Saban over $101 million. That's according to AL.com. That's an average of about $21,500 a day for the last 13 years. And you could probably still argue he's underpaid. If Nick Saban completes the new eight-year contract that he uh, contract term, he will have gotten $193 million in basic annual pay from Alabama over the course of 23-plus years. Now, here's the deal. If Saban finishes out this contract, let's say he doesn't get another extension, let's say he doesn't get any more bumps, Saban would be 78 years old. The crazy part is, that sounds old. Bobby Bowden was 80 years old when he hung it up, and Joe Paterno was 84. Now, granted, in those final years of Paterno, there were rumors his headset was on and it wasn't connected to anything. There were those kind of things. In fact, there were games where Paterno wasn't even wearing a headset anymore. He was just kind of a figurehead down there. But that said, Nick Saban, always the control freak, will continue to be the control freak and uh, getting paid very handsomely. But look for 70 years old, Saban's a spry 70 years old. Uh, If the transfer portal and NIL doesn't kill him or doesn't force him out, this guy's gonna keep doing this for a long time. So 78, Saban uh, could certainly be still coaching at Alabama then. So I know uh, Alabama loves him and they don't wanna see him go at all. The other 13 uh, fan bases across the SEC collectively groaned and said, please leave, please hang it up. Please put us out of our misery. Other stuff going on around the conference. Clark Lee and Vanderbilt, they released their tep- depth chart ahead of Saturday night's game against Hawaii. Keep in mind, they start their season this week in week zero. No huge surprises other than quarterback Ken Seals, who was the starter much of last season. He's now running third string behind starter Mike Wright and freshman A.J. Sw- AJ Swan, now listed at second string quarterback. Uh, Ray Davis listed as the starting running back with Will Shepard, the go-to guy at wide receiver, and Ben Bresnahan at tight end. So, Looking forward to watching Vandy play out in Hawaii Saturday night, get a nice little scouting report on them for the year. Over at LSU, Brian Kelly and company, they had another big scrimmage on Tuesday evening, and Brian Kelly speaking with the media afterwards. There were thoughts that he was going to announce his starting quarterback. Brian Kelly said, we are, quote, closing in on making a decision. He said that the final decision will come in the next few days. He also said both quarterbacks are very likely going to play this year in Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer and Garrett Nussmeyer, the freshman from last year, who uh, has looked good through camp as well. The 2022 preseason coaches, all SEC football teams were announced by the conference on Tuesday. Eleven schools had at least one first team, all SEC representative, including a conference best six from Alabama. All 14 SEC schools were represented in some way, shape, or form on the preseason, all SEC team. They have a first team, a second team, and a third team. Just some of the highlights. First team, all SEC. You got Bryce Young at quarterback. You got Tank Bigsby and Chris Rodriguez at running back. Tight end, Brock Bowers from Georgia, wide receivers. Cedric Tillman at Tennessee. Kayshawn Booty at LSU. That's your first team. Offense, your defense, highlighted by Jalen Carter, the big guy from Georgia on the D-line. Derek Hall from Auburn. Linebacker Will Anderson, Henry and Bumper Poole, Jordan Battle, Eli Ricks, Keely Ringo, Cam Smith at South Carolina, and Jalen Catalan at Arkansas all in the secondary. Um, There's a second team. Hendon Hooker is the quarterback on there, along with Stetson Bennett. And your third team, Will Levis from Kentucky, making it on there. So if you want to see the whole list, just go to secsports.com. It's a ton of names, but uh, that was the preseason coaches' all sec conference teams coming out and uh yeah you can go read all those names they got a ton of guys on that list over at uh tennessee running back lynn J. dixon left the football program after a short 18 days with the vols uh offense corner alex golesch talking this week said uh we got to see who we got we're excited about who we've got but uh they certainly got to figure things out now the dixon they thought was coming in to add some depth and now he is gone Tennessee will hope to replace his uh, tempo and style with their four scholarship running backs on the roster. Now, one other Tennessee note, defender William Mohan, a linebacker transferred from Michigan prior to last year. He's been arrested following an incident in South Knoxville on Sunday. Faces a charge of domestic aggravated assault and has been indefinitely suspended from the football team. Statement said, uh, we're aware of the recent arrests. He was immediately suspended from all team activities. Meanwhile, over at Auburn, Brian Harson announced his team captains this year on Tuesday evening. It's outside linebacker Derek Hall, linebacker Owen Papo, and tight end John Samuel Shanker, all three team captains, very accomplished members of Auburn's football program. Still no starting quarterback named, but I think we're getting close to that. Meanwhile, over at Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, he announced, announced his permanent team captains as he enters his third year in Columbia. Uh, Four offensive players making the list, quarterback Brady Cook, offensive lineman Javon Foster, wide receivers Barrett Bannister and Toski Dove making the list. Defensive back Martez Manuel, linebacker Chad Bailey, and defensive lineman Isaiah McGuire are the representatives on defense. Meanwhile, over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman welcoming back uh, running back Dominique Johnson at practice this week. For the first time, since tearing his ACL in the Outback Bowl. He was back on the practice field Monday. Uh, Sam Pittman told reporters that was the plan following Saturday's scrimmage, and he was uh, clearly far from 100%. uh, Was in a green non-contact jersey, wore a large brace on his right leg, didn't participate in the team period, but did go through some drills. So, there's hoping uh, Dominic Johnson can be back out there very soon for Arkansas. Georgia has got a big uh, group of tight ends, including – Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, David Pollock of College Game Day uh, said via dogpost.com, this is one of the best tight end rooms in the not only in college football, but the history of college football. Going to see what those guys can do. Obviously, big-time playmakers for Stetson Bennett. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer talking with the media yesterday and updated several banged-up players, particularly punter Kai Kroger and running back Christian Beale-Smith. He said they're uh, the two guys that they're most concerned about. He said, here we are a week and a half before we play. I'm optimistic that both of those guys will be out there against Georgia State next Saturday night. But if not, we'll be ready to roll. Beamer also said that uh, running back Marshawn Lloyd, who missed uh, South Carolina's first scrimmage of the year, said he's fine. It's a little bit more. uh, He's a little bit more ahead than Christian. No concerns for Marshawn. He practiced today. He's playing running back, playing some special teams. He'll be fine. Beamer also announced that Chad Terrell is out for the season with a torn ACL, Uh, so bad news for the tight end there. Uh, For his career, he caught seven passes for 76 yards. Meanwhile, over at Kentucky, some news on their starting left tackle. According to KSR's Adam Luquette, talking with O-line coach Zach Yenser. He said, we feel good about David Wallabaugh over there at left tackle. I think freshman Keontae Goodwin has done a really good job, and DeAndre Buford, it seems... Like he feels more comfortable at right tackles, so getting a little bit clearer picture there on the O-line for Kentucky. Uh, Dari Noka going on a limb for Vanderbilt, saying that uh, Clark Lee's program is going to start the season 4-0. He was on Sirius XM radio this week, and he said, look, they begin playing Hawaii, then they play Elon, Wake Forest, and then at Northern Illinois, Vandy is going to be 4-0 going into the Alabama game, so bold prediction there from Dari Noka. and Before we get into our episode previewing the Florida Gators, just a couple weeks ago, we did catch up with Ventrell Miller, Florida linebacker at uh, SEC Media Days, and we never got a chance to play that interview for you, so here is a little bit of a snippet from our interview with Ventrell Miller. Catching up with uh, Ventrell Miller
2: from Florida. Man, look, injury things suck. They happen. Yeah. How excited are you to get back out there? Man, my hair is on fire right now set for September 3rd. Man, I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I think it's going to be a great year. When you look at Billy Napier coming in, yes, he's new
0: to the conference and all this, but it looks like he's settled in very quickly. What do you like most about Coach Napier so far? Uh,
2: Definitely Coach Napier came in with a plan. and He's uh, done a great job of uh, building trust with the players. Um, Everybody's buying in, and we, we had a great spring and a great summer, and we're looking forward to having a great camp.
0: It's crazy. I mean, you look at this roster, and it, it is still loaded with talent everywhere, including the quarterback spot. You're here with Anthony Richardson. What do you see out of Anthony throughout the spring so far?
2: Uh, just, just uh, the how mature he's he's growing um, over this uh, this year. Um, he knows that he's the starting quarterback now, so he just got to take a step up. And I've been seeing that just with how he's playing and how he's just acting and outside.
0: Give me another name or two on this defense of guys that you think are really. Gonna step up this year and have big years. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, we got we got a lot of guys. I feel like uh, B Cox, Brent Cox, uh, Gravon Dexter, Rashad Torrance, Trey Dean, uh, Jason. The whole defense. The whole defense. Really ain't gonna lie.
0: Give me an idea real quick on the backfield. Who's who stood out there?
2: Uh, we got Naquan right. I know he, he went went down last year, but I'm looking forward to seeing him come back this uh, camp. And Montrell. Uh, you got uh Lingard. So all those guys should be rotating in. Ventral, thanks so much for the time, man. Thank you for having me. That
0: was our conversation with Florida linebacker Ventral Miller. Coming up next, we'll talk some more on the Gators with Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. First, I want to remind you guys of football season coming up. Look, you're going to be hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few become too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, it's okay. You live nearby, you'll make it home okay. No big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. There's tons of rideshare apps out there, whether it's Uber, Lyft, whatever. No excuses. Uh, Plan ahead and keep in mind, drive sober or get pulled over. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC, and we'll be jumping all around the SEC, kind of previewing the uh, different teams, counting down to the start of the season. It is almost here, a week away from the Florida Gators hosting number 7 Utah, so who better to get on than our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked On Gators. You can follow him on Twitter, at WNS underscore Brandon, and he joins us now. Brandon, what's going on, man?
1: I'm excited. I have not been this excited for Florida Gators so football in a very long time, so I can't wait for it.
0: It's That's crazy to say because it wasn't too long ago that Dan Mullen had this team competing for SEC East titles and, you know, kind of on the spectrum of the national championship picture. But I'll start here with you. What's your biggest storyline for the Gators, in your opinion, as we come out of fall camp, year one under Billy Napier, we're about to enter game week against number seven Utah. What's the biggest storyline for you right now?
1: Uh, I think it's got to be the quarterback position as a whole. It's not just, you know, can Anthony Richardson reach the expectations that have been placed upon him for over a year now of he's going to be an eventual Heisman guy. It's not even that. It's if he gets injured, which has happened before. He got injured multiple times throughout his high school and college career. Now uh, it's a matter of what happens if he gets injured. Jack Miller, the third little bit of an issue there with his thumb. And then you got Max Brown, a true freshman that's in that competition with Jack Anders and Kyle Engel. And it's a bunch of guys where they're not Anthony Richardson. So if something happens to him, Florida is going to be in a tough spot. I know Lee Sterling said it on the Ultimate College Football preview. He was like, look, if Anthony Richardson gets hurt, this is a three-win team. He might not be wrong about that.
0: It's, uh, it is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of attention and focus on Anthony Richardson. Uh, Chris Doring came out this past week, a former Florida Gator, and he said he hopes that the Florida fans can temper themselves when it comes to expectations for Napier. He says give them some time to turn this thing around. What's the vibe you're getting from the Florida fan base? Are, are expectations already too high for Napier before he's even coached a game?
1: I, I feel like a lot of fans are kind of like, a lot of fans are like, 10-2, and 11-1. It's like, big dog, slow it down. That That's probably not going to happen. But I mean, I, I think that I'm a bit of a realist when we talk about Florida Gators' expectations. I try to be like, not just doom and gloom, not just, we're amazing, we're Florida. But I, I think when you look at seven or eight wins, I think that's reasonable this year. I I think that Florida has got a couple tough games on the schedule, obviously, but I I think when you look at seven or eight wins, that's reasonable. But right now, a lot of Florida fans are looking at 10 and 11 wins. And it's like, as much as we want to buy into the Billy Napier recruiting hype and, and just this whole coaching staff being an army, uh, there's, there's a little bit like they need to improve here. (laughs) I think that's fair to say that the Florida Gators kind of have a lot of space to improve. and, We'll see what happens with it, but I do think that fans right now, a lot of them are a bit, uh, bit overzealous. We'll say
0: <laughs> we're going to get into some football in a second, but th- there was some concern a few weeks ago that maybe the Gators were behind in recruiting. That you know the biggest criticism of Dan Mullen was his recruiting, and the past few weeks, Billy Napier's really picks pick things up on the recruiting trail. That's got to be at least encouraging to fans right now.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it went from complete just he's worse than Dan Mullen as a recruiter to to now he's blue-chip Billy, and, and now he gets all these blue-chip players. He's, he's dominating right now. They're, they're on absolute fire on the recruiting trail. 2024 is even off to a hot start with Ernest Graham's son, Miles Graham, now committed, and there's a few more visits and all this happening on the recruiting front for 2024. But, yeah, this is a team where people just – I don't know what it is. I I can't even explain it, but just there's a lot of Florida Gators fans that are just, if we're not the best, we're the worst. And that's a fair approach to take when it's warranted. But right now, this is a team where realistically, they're they're rebuilding. Billy Napier is coming over from the Sun Belt to the SEC, and, and he's got things to prove. I think that's been one of the hardest things for him so far is, how can you prove that you will translate from the Sun Belt to the SEC? Once you take that step up in competition. And I think that he had a little bit of difficulty kind of convincing some recruits and losing out on, you know, Arch Manning and Jaden Rashad who were two quarterbacks that Florida was very heavily pursuing. So losing out on both of them made it seem like, well, can you get the guys? Losing on Francis Maui Goa. It was can you beat Miami and Mario Cristobal? And now, uh, if, unless things have changed very recently, Mario Cristobal and Miami have the number nine recruiting class. Florida's at number 10. So I think you're looking at a, a very tightly knit recruiting battle here, uh, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see how things shape up. But Billy Napier has talked the talk and walked the walk every step of the way, and that's something where Florida fans, they, they just jumped the gun quick, where they were like, oh, he can't recruit. And then all of a sudden, these waves came in, which Billy Napier said, "Like our recruiting, we're going to happen in waves. There's going to be some very long waves and some very quick waves here, but but just ride the waves." Is my point now?
0: Let's get into some some actual football talk, Brandon. Uh, we talked on it a little bit with Anthony Richardson, but. What are realistic expectations for, for Richardson in technically year three? played a little bit as a freshman, played a little bit more last year as still a freshman, uh, but now is the full-time starter. I mean, I know fans were calling for him. As good as Emory Jones was last year, there were times that fans were calling for him to be the starter last year. So what are realistic expectations for Richardson this year?
1: Uh, there are no such thing as realistic expectations with him right now. <laughs> it's literally people saying he's going to be a Heisman candidate or he's going to be terrible. Odds are he's going to fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's going to be this world eater immediately off the bat, but I do think that he's going to be someone where this offense will obviously revolve around him, and he's going to make his mistakes. He's going to have his issues where, yeah, he, he's a gunslinger. He, he is whatever you want to call him. He's a gambler. That's what I'll call him. He likes to take deep shots downfield, and I, I said it on the Ultimate College preview where I was like, he not only can Anthony Richardson make the throws that make any throw that a coach that a coach will ask him to make, he's going to make throws that you would never even think of asking a person to make because he's got the arm that can do that. And this whole Florida offense will have to drive through him. Like when he is hot, they're going to be a great team. If he's not, they're going to have a very difficult time finding wins this season, especially when we hit SEC play and you've got LSU, you've got Georgia, you've got Texas A&M just in a string of games with a bye week in there. There's a lot that's going to ride on Anthony Richardson. He showed kind of that he could step up when he needs to. You know, that LSU game last year, he stepped in the second half and he he brought them back and he had a phenomenal showing for the most part. And he's he shown that he can do this, but it's a matter of can you do it consistently? Can you do it throughout the course of a season And can you be relied upon not just as a guy that will win you the game but not lose you games?
0: Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. More with Brandon Olson in just a second. I want to remind you guys the Ultimate College Football Preview is here, a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. I'm on there. A lot of our SEC guys are on there. It's everything you need to get ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue our conversation with Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. You can follow him on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. And Brandon, we're getting into a little bit of more football talk with the Florida Gators. And look, we know Billy Napier likes to run the football, unlike his predecessor, Dan Mullen. Uh, Montrell Johnson, Naquan Wright, Trevor ATN. What can we expect from this Florida run game this year?
1: I think you're going to see four running backs and a quarterback that are heavily involved in a run game. I think Naquan Wright, to me, is the most well-rounded running back in that backfield. I think he should be the leader. I think he's a great runner-receiver. I mean, he's very underrated because of last year's rushing attack. You had Damian Pierce, Emery Jones led the team in rushing. You had Malik Davis. Both Malik Davis and, uh, and Damian Pierce are in the NFL right now. And I mean, there was a lot of guys in front of Naquan Wright at that point that needed to be fed the football, uh, despite Dan Mullen refusing to feed them the football. But with Naquan Wright, I think he's the most well-rounded guy. Montrell Johnson has experience in this offense, and he's one of the few guys that has proven he can work in this offense and make the right reads and be an explosive play threat. I believe he had a 99-yard touchdown last season, so he's got great speed. Lorenzo Lingard is kind of a – a well-rounded threat that we're going to be looking at. I think he's going to contribute more on special teams early on than he will in the offense this year. Uh with Etienne, we'll see. I've heard that he's been getting some nice uh a, a nice spread of the carries throughout training camp so far, which is a little bit surprising since he's a obviously true freshman joining this team. But it it's a great running back room right now that I think we're gonna see go four deep.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be, a I guess, a little bit of a culture shock. I mean, it's not that Dan Mullen didn't run the football. I just think at times he didn't want to run the football. And you know, Sometimes you're looking back going, do we not have all these great running backs? I mean, Damian Pierce already looks to me like he's going to be the steal of a uh, fantasy football this year with the Houston Texans. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, what in your mind on the other side of the ball? The strength of the defense. Some familiar names back in Brenton Cox, Ventral Miller, Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance. What is this defense going to do well?
1: I think my favorite thing about this defense is that you know, you can't always outrun people. No matter who's on your roster, you can't always be faster than people. You can't always be stronger than people, no matter how hard you work. But you can outsmart them. And I think that's what Patrick Tony is trying to do with this defense. It helps to have some experienced guys like Miller, like Rashad Torrance, like Trey Dean, like Brenton Cox Jr. on that team. Uh, I think a lot of it is going to be how Ron Roberts, who, Dave, uh, who Patrick Tony is from the Ron Roberts tree, as is Dave Aranda from Baylor. They like to say, never show the quarterback the same thing after the snap that he sees before the snap. So it's about making these quarterbacks work and think. And a lot of college quarterbacks are not great at that part. A lot of them have these one read RPO offenses. And that's what creepers and sim pressure, which is going to be a, a staple of this Patrick Tony defense are trying to exploit. So I think the identity will be to just outsmart your opponent and and just outwork them when it comes to certain areas. And, and especially in the mental game, that's what Patrick Tony wants to win
0: obviously there's been some new additions this off season through the transfer portal and you know incoming freshmen that that can contribute very early but who of all those guys that have come in the new additions do you think could play the biggest role this season
1: I think you got to look at Osiris Torrance the incoming interior offensive lineman from Louisiana he's with Billy Napier throughout there, and, and Rob Sale except for last year and Rob Sale was with the New York Giants so I think Osiris Lawrence has to be your guy who he's played. I think it's 2,300 snaps. Hasn't allowed a sack yet. One of the better run blockers in college football. Everybody that's talking about the NFL draft talks about him as one of the higher ranked interior offensive linemen. I think he's going to be the tone setter. And it's going to be interesting also to see him coming from the Sun Belt to taking on SEC defensive linemen. But when you watch his tape, you have no concerns about his strength or his athleticism. So, or his technique, really. So I think he's going to be someone who carries over pretty well, and the run game specifically will run through Osiris-Torrens.
0: Let's start to look a little bit ahead to the season, particularly next week. Very rarely do we see the Florida Gators as underdogs at home in a season opener, yet here we are, Utah, number seven in the country, big-time playmaker quarterback and Cam Rising, and they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite coming into the Swamp. Is this an issue, a, a situation of wrong team favored here, Brandon?
1: Uh, I think it might be. I'll say, like, I, I think Utah's a great football team. I think this is going to be a great game. But I think when you look at, you know, coming from Salt Lake City to Gainesville, there's quite a bit of a uh, humidity difference, we'll say, where that <laughs> weather is going to be very different. I think Utah's going to be gas. And I know Utah fans are in my comments always complaining about me saying that. But uh, I, I think they're going to be a little shocked at how much of an impact that's going to play going from, you know, 17% humidity to 90% humidity there. I think the swamp is an incredibly difficult place to win. And I think that Florida is a team where I don't think we'll really see them get blown out at all this year. I think they're always going to be able to keep it close, but with all the factors that Florida has, such as, you know, we saw what Billy Napier and Patrick Tony did at Louisiana with worse athletes and worse players than you have in Gainesville it's kind of hard to see really how that's going to translate to the SEC when they can get more creative and even more aggressive at certain points. So I I think this is going to be a very, very close game. Whoever wins, I think it's going to be close, maybe a field goal, maybe less than a field goal. Uh, But I will say when you're coming to the swamp with just the atmosphere around the Florida Gators football team right now, I have a very hard time saying that I think they'll lose week one.
0: So you would say maybe that game against Utah, you almost put in a a toss-up category, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Even I did uh, on yesterday's show for Locked On Gators, I went through the schedule and I went game by game, (laughs) and I had two toss-ups. Utah was the first one. I was like, that has to be just a complete coin flip. I think these teams match up well, and when you add in all those exterior factors and those external factors, it's just – I feel like you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you bet. <laughs> that's what I'll say with that. So
0: maybe you know where I'm going with this. I was going to ask you, give me, just looking at the schedule, give me the games that you think are just absolute for sure losses. Like, I mean, the cocktail party against Georgia, do we feel like that's definitely a loss?
1: Yeah, I, I, I gave them, I, I will, I have no problem saying, I gave Florida two games that I think they'll definitely lose. I put two toss-ups, which I don't, want to say that they'll win either of those games. Uh, I do think that those are legitimate toss-ups where Florida should be the underdog, but I think with, like I mentioned, the Utah game, I don't need to pound that one home, but with all the other factors, yes. uh, The LSU game is the other toss-up for me, just because that game always feels like a toss-up. I know I'm low on Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels. I don't like them. I'm not bought in on them. I wasn't bought in on Jaden at Arizona State. I'm not going to be at LSU, so I think that's a toss-up where Florida shouldn't be favored. Uh, but it also feels like, feels like the LSU game, no matter what the situation, you know, 2019 LSU being great, 2020 Florida being great. It seems like it could always go either way. Right. And so that's, that's why I'm like, I, I want to put that as a toss up. I have Georgia as a loss um, and I have Texas A&M as a loss. I think going into Kyle Field is just going to be such a difficult atmosphere to win in, similar to how it's difficult to come into the Swamp and win that game, I, I think going into Kyle Field is incredibly difficult to win.
0: Yeah, we just saw it two years ago. You know, they uh, Florida, as good as that team was, you know, they struggled in Kyle Field, and here they are having to go there again. Road trip to Tennessee, I think, is, is a difficult one. And then, to me, the Week 2 game, getting Kentucky so early in the season, and Kentucky's very hyped with Will Levis and all that. I mean, that one, again, to, to me seems like if you're a Florida fan, you feel like you should win it at home. But, man, it seems like that's one that could go either way.
1: Yeah, I think the Kentucky one's a little tough because it's hard for me to get on the Will Levis hype train after seeing him get demolished by a Todd Grantham defense last year. Like that—that That is hard for me to buy in on. But it's also just they're not going to have Chris Rodriguez. They lost Wando Robinson, who had the huge majority of target share last season. So it's more of a, a prove-it thing for me with Kentucky where I think Florida should win that game in this one. I think we could all admit if last year's game was in the swamp, it's different with all the, I think it was uh, 19 penalties against Florida in that game. The majority of them coming on false starts because they couldn't communicate. And Dan Mullen was like, I'm not going to make any changes. I want to get fired. Um, so <laughs> so that's what was happening with that game where I, I think that Stoops is doing a fantastic job. But I think Will Levis needs to show Can you get it done without Wandale consistently? Because, I mean, again, Wandale wasn't like 40% of his targets. Uh, So can you get it done without Wandale? Chris Rodriguez not being there is a huge boost for Florida, I think. And I think the change of atmosphere is going to be uh, obviously heavily in Florida's favor, same way it was for Kentucky's favor last year.
0: As we always tell our listeners, we thank them for making us your first listen every day here on Locked on SEC. And now we tell you, go make your second listen. Check out Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. Let our listeners know what they're going to find up at Locked on Gators this week.
1: Uh, On today's episode, you're going to see me with Florida freshman tight end Hayden Hansen, who you're going to see me with every single week during the season. We got John Garcia talking recruiting and we're getting ready for the Utah game with two live shows in Gainesville next week.
0: That's very cool. So if we got any listeners out there in Gainesville, uh, go see Brandon. Don't uh, throw anything at him. Uh, take a picture with him or get him to autograph something. I'm sure he'll do that. But uh, be nice to Brandon uh, when you see him out there as the Gators look to start the season off and start the Billy Napier era off 1-0. and Brandon, thanks so much for the time, man. Thanks, Gordon. All right, that's Brandon Olsen Locked on Gators. Again, uh, go check him out. Make him your second listen. Appreciate you guys for making us your first listen. Of course, we're here for you five days a week, Locked on SEC. Breaking it all down. We'll continue with our season previews as we get into a little bit with South Carolina and also Vanderbilt. I know it's Vandy. I know a lot of people check out on them, but they are playing this weekend, and we're all Team Vandy. We're rooting for Vandy to go get that one win against Hawaii that they could get this weekend because... Wins are going to be harder to come by later in the year, but let's get a scouting report on Vandy and check them out. We'll preview that later in the week as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Again, thanks for checking out Locked on SEC. Reminder, we're on YouTube as well as LockedOnSEC.com. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.